Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked On ACC. We hope that you are making us your first listen. I already know you're holding it down, giving us five-star reviews, because that's how we do over here in ACC country. We have a special episode. Normally, I'm talking to Jersey Drake on Friday, and you'll actually hear him later on in the show, because I couldn't let my guy get away without giving me some hoop knowledge. But as you guys know, it is football time, ACC championship on Saturday, and Nick Farabo is here to break down the Pittsburgh Panthers. He hosts Locked On Pit. He gives you all of that action football, basketball, and more. So I'm excited to talk to my guys. Some keys to win for those Panthers because I know he's got them. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Candice, as always. Thanks for having me on. First time actually unlocked on ACC. And I I'm, know, here, right? I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always fun to get the guys who not, aren't normally in the rotation on the show. But more importantly, the fact that Pitt is in because of a championship, it's even more lit. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be crazy. I'm gonna be we're gonna be down in Charlotte this weekend. You know, it, it's just crazy to see Pitt out of all teams in a yeah game like this, and it actually matters. Feels like they could win because I remember last time we were down there in 2018, I was like, okay, no chance Pitt's beating Clemson, but now I feel like okay, Pitt could actually win this thing, and we can get to the Peach Bowl. So it's legit. Yeah, no doubt. And for anyone who is not familiar, Wake Forest and Pittsburgh will take their talents to Charlotte on Saturday in the ACC championship game. Both teams evenly matched. They have the same record, 10-2, and two, have 7-1 and one when it comes to conference play. But there have been like a little bit of tale of two different teams in terms, well, I will say they're pretty even. Okay, I was going to say, well, maybe a little defense a little better than others, but sometimes it got a little dicey for some. So let's talk about Pitt. How did we get here? A team that wasn't expected to win the Coastal. Was all the talk about Carolina, it's all talk about Miami, even had a little sprinkle of Virginia in here, and then boom, here comes the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Panthers with that senior leadership led by Kenny Pickett, future Heisman, like, you know, hopeful, right? How did they get to this place here coming to play on Char- in Charlotte on Saturday? They got here behind offense, offense, and offense, and that's how <laughs> they got here. Kenny Pickett, Joran Addison, Israel Abani Kanda, that newly improved O-line, I can't, I can't leave out the tight ends. Lucas Kroll and Gavin Bartholomew are a real good duo. And they also got production from the receivers outside of Addison with Wayne, Mack, Barden, all these guys. And they're a little banged up now, but it, it is what it is. The, the, the defense, to their credit, they stepped up big on Thursday night in UNC, but they've been pretty bad this year, uh, to say the least. And that's kind of <laughs> the story of Pitt's season is. Yeah. Honestly, it like they're ten and two, and any Pitt fan coming into the season would take that. But it almost feels like they kind of underachieved because they lost to Western Michigan and they lost to what is a pretty mediocre Miami team. So they could easily be playing for a playoff spot here instead of playing for a spot in the Peach Bowl. But they got here because Kenny Pickett has turned the ratchet up on everything and is just playing an unbelievable season right now. And then you look at Jordan Addison. The guy is probably one of the best receivers, probably the Bolitnikoff winner. Like, they they have a ton of talent on this team right now offensively, and they're just so hard to stop. No team has done it so far really this year. Yeah, I agree. Listen, Jordan Addison, I saw him with my own two eyes, and I'm just going to sit here and say he embarrassed, you know, defenders out there. But Kenny Pickett, breaking Damarino-type numbers, you can't not put him in the conversation to be one of the better quarterbacks, the top quarterback in the ACC, offensive player of the year, all these accolades that are well-deserved. But for you, were there any surprises to his game that you kind of knew he was due for this kind of season? Well, 
you know, you knew he was due for a good season. This season, though, it you know, the out of structure stuff, he does that all the time. He's always been tough, so you knew the gritty runs were going to be there. It's kind of Kenny Pickett, and it's always been Kenny Pickett. Even his first game when they knocked off number two Miami, he had a game-sealing big-time run. I did not expect the prolific deep ball numbers that we got, though. I mean, he's yeah. throwing the deep ball better than I've ever <laughs> seen him throw the deep ball. That was a yeah. weakness for Kenny Pickett, like, as late last year. And then he came back from his ankle injury last year, started throwing a lot better, but their running game actually got going. And that was kind of what everyone thought, okay, that's what's going on right here. Kenny Pickett is throwing the deep ball as well as anybody in the country. I don't know if there's anyone better actually throwing the deep ball right now. It's partially Jordan Asset. It's partially Kenny Pickett. He just – his touchdown throw against Syracuse, he went off his back foot, floated it up, and it was a perfect dime to Jordan Asset. And that's kind of been the surprise. That's the leap he's taken. He's yeah. just so accurate now. And, and every time he steps back and you say, oh, there's Jordan Asset 30 yards downfield, you just say – touchdown or play, whatever that's kind of what's gotten to at this point yeah no doubt and listen maybe i'm starting to think that if you want to be an elite quarterback in the acc you gotta have the long lock so first it was trevor now it's kenny so next season i don't know who's trying to be top dog so Devin Leary, if you're listening you might want to grow that bad boy out like if you want to have a top season you might as well go ahead and get those locks together but how can this wake forest defense i don't i'm not sure that they, they have enough horses in the stable to stop a kenny pickett that's why i give Pitt a little bit of the edge but when it comes to you know wake's defense they're not really good at stopping the run, but that's not something that necessarily Pitt is, you know, talented at. But when it comes to the deep ball, the secondary for Wake Forest also struggles. So do you even see it being a problem on Saturday? I don't see it being a problem. The only way it's a problem is if Kenny Pickett has to come from behind very early. Hmm. And this is kind of what happened against Miami. Kenny Pickett didn't really have a trouble against Miami, but he ended up pushing a lot of things because they had to come back. And he threw a really bad pick at the end of the game. And that's kind of what ended it. Now, granted, he had over 500 yards of passing. It wasn't his fault they lost that game. But that's kind of what he got into. And same thing against Western Michigan. He got into a little bit of a rut. Three turnovers in that game. Two fumbles. Uh, a pick as well. They had to come back. And that's kind of what lost in that game in addition to a terrible defense. So it's like if the defense doesn't pick it up early and the offense gets off to like a semi-slow start, which they have at times this year. Uh, they did against Syracuse. They did it against Clemson. They did it against a few teams this year. Uh, if that happens, then yeah, it could be an issue. But I think Wake Forest also has to worry about the run game because Pitt has showcased the ability to take care of the run game when they need to. And yeah. they did it against Virginia. Izzy Abanikanda will be back this week after missing last week due to a, to a soft tissue injury. So they also have to worry about that because Vincent Davis, Rodney Hammond, and Izzy Abanikanda are a is a formidable trio of backs that mm -hmm. they, they at least have to worry about. Again, that's not – you said it perfectly. That's not Pitt's forte, but when teams have showcased the ability to maybe stop Kenny Pickett a little bit, Pitt has no problem putting the foot down on the ground game and hitting you in the mouth a little bit. Yeah. I think they will. So I think Pitt's going to have an ability to maybe hit them on both the ground and the deep pass, and I think that's Wake Forest's nightmare because if Pitt <laughs> can control the game, right? Pitt could, I'm just thinking like if Pitt can control the game from the ground and keep Sam Hartman off the field as well, I think that's when Wake really gets into big-time trouble. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, before we switch over to defense, there was some talk about the health of all of the guys, or a couple of the guys feeling those symptoms. want to know if everyone's good to go, we're ready to roll, take a cup of time and all, let's get this thing going. So it sounds like everyone's good to go. And, and listen, I heard it from, from the guy who reported himself, Chris Carter, yesterday on Lockdown Pit. He came yeah. on and said, it's not a big issue. Uh, Kenny's good. 
Kenny is all good. He's practicing again. Uh, and, and it seems like everyone's feeling good. They're wearing masks. They're kind of doing all these extra precautions. They're feeling it out. So it seems like Pitt's going to be good to go, and they shouldn't miss anyone from the flu, at least on Saturday. No doubt. All right, defense, you know, it hasn't been the best part of Pitt's total game, but that's Narduzzi's thing. He's supposed to be the coach that can coach a well-defended team and all of these kind of accolades when it comes. But you're talking about a program that had to make up for six guys going to the league, right? And now they find themselves in the championship. How well have they done in terms of just getting the job a little bit better off than everyone expected? And can they do that against a guy like Sam Hartman, A.T. Perry, who loves a good little pass interference from time to time? and, you know, getting his opportunities to not really make them have a high-flying offense that they're used to. Well, Pitt's been a hit-or-miss defense kind of all year, and and mm-hmm. it's, it's sometimes, you know, they're absolutely abysmal. First quarter against Miami, for example, awful. Western Michigan, awful. Third quarter against Tennessee, probably the worst they played all year. Uh, mm-hmm. They were pretty bad against Virginia, too. They had a few key stops, though, and that's kind of what's been Pitt's defense. Is Well, look, we'll give up 38. Our offense is probably going to score 48, and we'll be able to get the key stop that we need. Yeah. And they did that against UNC, too, in overtime. They were able, also aided by Monsoon in that game. But, you know, they've been able to do it, even though the offense hasn't been, you know, starting swell all the time. The defense has been able to do some things. They yeah. stopped Syracuse last week. You know, I mean, they, they held Sean Tucker to, like, 20 yards rushing, and that's really impressive. Um, so there, there have been things that they've done well, things that they've really been bad at. It depends mm-hmm. on which pit defense shows up. The good pit defense, <laughs> they'll probably win this game pretty easily, yeah. actually. The bad pit defense shows up, it could be bad. And and that's the thing. Pitt's, oh, Pitt's D-line is going to have to show up and show up big. You know, guys mm. like Kalaja Cansey and, and Hava yep. Baldonado and John Morgan and, and Deslin and Alexander and Keyshawn Camp, those guys are going to have to collapse that pocket and hit. Sam uh, Sam Hartman, rather. They're going to have to smack him in the face because they have that real long uh, mesh point, you know, that, that long handoff at the RPOs. That's going to be what they're going to do. And that's what Kalijah Kinsey said. We got to absolutely kill that guy every time that they run that RPO. <laughs> Expecting to hit Sam Hartman. I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if there are a few DPIs because A.T. Perry, as you said, <laughs> monster of them. I think he leads the ACC in those penalties, by the way. So it, it's oh, not surprising sure. at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have a tough time. It's going to have a sure. tough time, I think. Now, you know, we've all hyped up. I had Cam Lemons from SB Nation on the other day. We've all hyped up offense on both sides. Do you feel like because we've all made it to be this big to-do from offense, it's going to be a great defensive performance from both both sides? I, I'm not going to completely just, like, throw it out the window. I mean, I think <laughs> everyone going to the UNC game, I had you on for the UNC game. I think we thought it was going to be a – an absolute shootout and the game ended up being 23 23 at the end of regulation like yeah that was a game where where it happened and Pitt's defense played really well and so did UNC's defense out of kind of nowhere like (laughs) it could happen weird things have happened in football Pitt's coming you know the flu thing with Pitt absolutely can make it be, be such a thing and Pitt's defense has shown the capable that at their best they can stop really good offenses. So right. if they, if you know, Pitt maybe comes out sluggish from the la- from maybe a missed day or two preparation, that's possible. If their defense comes out though and is ready to rock and roll, it's possible. Yeah. I expect it to still be a, a pretty high flying game, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, if we saw the defense kind of hold it down here for a little bit. No doubt. All right, final predictions. Are you kind of a guy who likes to give scores? If so, drop it for me. If not, just tell me what kind of game you're expecting. Okay, no, I drop a score every every week. 
over there at Locked On Pit. We do our preview there Friday, and we drop a score. And I, I think I'm going to drop the same score that I'm going to drop over there. I think Pitt does end up winning this game. And okay. I, I just like the the high-flying Kenny Pickett, Jordan Hannison offense, but I think the run game has come along for Pitt kind of in the second half of the year, and it's given them a little bit of a second dimension against teams like Wake and teams like Virginia, for example. They were able mm-hmm. to really run the ball well against Virginia. I yeah. see this game playing out pretty similar to, the, to that Virginia game. Um, there's okay. similar aspects to, I think, Virginia and Wake. And also, Sam, the thing that also has caught me kind of off the guard is that Sam Hartman recently has been a little bit prone to turnovers, uh, oh, kind of down the stretch. That's yeah. been the big thing. And, and Pitt's an opportunistic defense. While they might not be a good one, they will pick the ball off, they'll force fumbles. They're an opportunistic mm-hmm. defense that forces a lot of turnovers. So I think Pickett's a key turnover here there. Kenny Pickett in the offense – obviously taking that margin for error are going to go with it. And I think Pitt wins this one. I'm going to throw out 45 to 35 Pitt. Oh, damn. I'm going to write that down just because 45 to 35. Okay. That's a nice number. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm excited for a good game. I think just the fact that both teams were not who we were expecting makes this fun. And of course, great offense always makes for better games. So I think that's pretty interesting. But Nick, you know, I really enjoy having our conversations always. And I know people are going to want you back after they watch this episode. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you, follow all your work? Yeah, as always, thanks for having me on, Candice. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Fairball. You guys can see that, though, probably on the graphic. Read my stuff at Pittsburgh Sports Now. I write for Pitt and Steelers over there. And make sure, always, always check out Locked On Pitt. We do great stuff daily over there. We're talking Kenny Pickett. We're talking everything. And as soon as football season gets over, we'll talk about men's basketball, too. So if you want to wallow in despair about that program (laughs) with me, join me all winter. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Guys, we have Jersey Drake in the building to talk preview of conference schedule. It's dropping today. So we're going to make sure we get you guys squared away with that. Thank you, Nick, for always giving me that good insight at Locked on ACC on Twitter, and you can subscribe on YouTube. What's going on, everybody? Jersey Drake in the building here to give me his best takes from an ACC conference schedule that we're about to hit. He hosts Locked on Seminoles podcast, Knowles Anonymous, all of that good stuff. He holds it down for the Florida State Seminoles. So I would love to hear his thoughts because apparently they're new bloods, and Lewis Han- Lewis. Uh, Mr. Leonard, Leonard Hamilton is supposed to be the coach that is kind of replacing this old. Well, he's the old dog now, one of the older dogs. Coach K is leaving. Doesn't so look like it though. Gonna be the oldest. <laughs> oh no, black don't crack. So you already know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. But he absolutely is one that always has depth. Always is able to, you know, let people make people a little bit nervous. But as we're looking at the conference as a whole, and we'll talk about it, I feel like it's Duke and everybody else. But I first want to hear from you. How are you feeling about the conference, Drizzy Drake? I think the conference is a better spot than last year, primarily okay. beca- because I mean Duke had probably one of the worst years thing I've in my lifetime. I think is you know becoming a basketball fan, specifically yeah. a college basketball fan. And now with you know this Coach K you know farewell tour, like he's getting the uh, the Kobe love. You know how Draymond Green was talking about Paul Pierce, like you're not Kobe, you know they don't love you like that. AC does love a little bit of Coach K. We love to either. We love to love him, love to follow him, or we love to hate him. Like, that's yeah. my that's the camp that I'm in personally. Yeah. Because, you know, nothing is better than, you know, being Duke. But it isn't a much better spot because of Paulo Benchero. Paulo Benchero, that kid is nice. That kid is gross. That kid is definitely going to be a first-round overall first pick. That kid like, got cramps. No, I'm just kidding. That's not nice. I, hey, listen, I'm a, when they said he was a sweaty guy, I'm like, I'm the same damn way leaving Orange Theory or Elliot Finish after a workout. I'm like, but that man dropped seven pounds in one game. But we were t- talking about that with JJ. I said, we need to get on the Paolo plan because if I could get on the Paolo plan and lose seven pounds just by one workout, I would be in good shape. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I had to get new measurements for my suit for this wedding I have next month. But on all, all serious, no, I think he's probably the most complete college basketball player we've seen in a very long time. Oh, wow. He can shoot. He's big. He's talented. And he's just someone he's really fun to watch. He kind of brings that, you know, the sort of dog mentality that I haven't seen in a Duke, you know, player. You know, maybe like to me, JJ kind of had that a little bit. Grayson was just more prick, in my personal opinion. He wasn't really, you know, a a nicer player. But Jay, like yeah. JJ actually brought that sort of, you know, the tenacity, the aggression to the field. And they, Paul, Paul really does bring that. It's really nice to see with Duke. Is he more exciting than the Zion era, the Jay, Cam Reddish era, RJ Barrett? Or is he like he does enough to where we're going to be impressed, but he's not going to stop the show? Ah, uh, that's a good question because I mean I do think Wendell Moore Jr. is playing really, really well alongside him, but I do think he does kind of like a little more. He's exciting because he can carry an entire team on his back, and mm. it kind of reminds me a lot of the the Syracuse team that won I think in the early 2000s with Carmelo Anthony when you mm -hmm. knew you had that one superstar stud player, and Paolo Benchero is that guy. Paolo, you know, he's eventually going to be the number one Paolo behind the Paolo from, you know, Lizzie McGuire movie. So to me, like he's kind of, he's got that sort of mentality, you know, heading into the game. So he's going to carry this Duke team on its back to win the ACC title, regular season and tournament title. Yeah. This is going to be me like biting my words a little bit, primarily because I was very hyped on the Florida state team, mm. but after seeing, you know, I have a co-host. We have a weekly special edition for basketball called dunks, dribbles and dimes, AKA triple D's for our, you know, unlocked on network. And, we, I was super high to bar our team because we know we have depth. The problem with that depth is Candace, they're super young. Yeah, they're all they're all eighteen year olds, and it's not like eighteen year old like Scotty Barnes or Paula Banchero or even Patrick Williams from two years ago. It's eighteen and nineteen year old development players, and that's something that's going to be definitely be an issue moving forward. Because did you watch the Purdue game last night? I said this on the Thursday show with Tyler Aki that I think it's more indicative of how good Purdue is and not how mm -hmm. bad Florida State is. No, I agree with that. The thing mm -hmm. is, though, you saw how young and not ready this team is, you know, to be to start banging with bigger boys. Like Purdue to, Purdue, to me, coming into the year was 100% a Final Four team. They got Travion Williams, Jay Nivey, and some kid that's like, I think, eight foot three, and Zach Eddy, I think, is the kid's name number 15 for them, who just literally, it's physical basketball. And the one thing we've seen with FSU over over the course of the year, over six games wise, when they face a big man, they get stopped. And that was more, more evident from the Purdue game. But if you look at the Florida game in the beginning of the year with Colin Castleton, who I think is seven two seven three, they definitely don't have the size nor the maturity to kind of deal with that. And then now you're seeing, you know, poor shot selection, which is another issue with maturity and how young these kids are. So, I mean, I had it in the year coming that's going to be us probably being on top of it. If we maybe get in the flow of things, maybe by February. Mm -hmm. That might be enough to like challenge that, but quite frankly, with this Duke team, the way they shut down Gonzaga, like that to me is the team. Yeah, listen, I think that it's Duke and everybody else, but I would love to see Carolina defensively step their game up and get it together when it matters most come February and March. I think that they can. Like, I think if they really have these heart to hearts, <laughs> this they need to come to Jesus. I ain't going to hold you. They need a defensive come to Jesus. But if they can figure it out, they have the offense. I'd rather have poor defense than horrible offense. Last season, they couldn't buy a basket. Now they know how to shoot. They just can't guard nobody. They have to start being unselfish when it comes to that. You're going to have to step up in big ways and figure out who you are. Maybe it's going to be a punch in the mouth against a Michigan team. You know, they're going to have this ACC Big Ten challenge. But when you start getting into conference play, they start on Sunday. 
here, I think it's going to be a really big deal and very indicative of how this season is going to go for them. They're going to have to battle. It's going to be same as last season. They're going to have to earn every single conference win that they get. Some may come, some may not. But I think that's also with every team here besides Duke. You're going to have to earn every single one because on any given night, any of these teams can look incredible, but they all, you know, and then some can sneak up on you. A Wake Forest can sneak up on you. A Boston College can sneak up on you while you're playing. Like, you could just have an off night, and they could catch you sleeping at the wheel. What's actually really interesting when you say that, because the one thing I will never, you know, be hard on for Coach Ham is every single year his team defensively is just amazing. They're, mm-hmm. I, right now, I think by events metrics, even after Purdue, after Purdue, they're top 20, which is absurd. And you got Cameron, Cameron Fletcher, the University of Kentucky transfer coming in, mm-hmm. who I would much rather have him start. But listen, if you want to keep this, the streak of four straight six man of the year for the ACC, you know, up a band. Keep there you that. go. So one thing I do know with this team is they're very similar to your UNT team from last year, where the fact is they're super, super young. They we don't. But the problem is that we don't have that definitive big man. We had that with Balsa Krupovica last year. Like that was my man, big Balsa. Raekwon Gray, a.k.a. Baby James Harden. You know, he's gone too. <laughs> Scotty Too Hotty, he's gone too. So it's like, yeah. right now we're trying to find the one guy to sort of, you know, catapult us there. But we're we're a very young team that is prone to a lot of droughts, a lot of shooting. So it's going to be a very interesting you know, thing coming, you know. We start play with Syracuse on Sunday. I think that's the way we play. Yeah, we play Syracuse on Sunday. So I think that's a game that we should definitely win. I think we're the most talented team, you know, across the board. I know it's Jim Beheim and his son, but... All they have is Jim Beheim and his son. I'm not really scared of that. This isn't your mama's or your daddy's freaking Syracuse team. Carmelo Anthony came into that door. Neither is Jeremy McNamara. Neither is Fab Mello. No one's coming to that door. Yeah, so. that that's fair. Listen, I am not going to disagree with you here, but is there anybody else? We start conference play on Friday. Boston College, Virginia, you know, all these good matchups we have going on. Anybody standing out to you besides Duke? Anyone that might have a fair shot at even being in the top five of the conference? I mean, UNC always get a word. I mean, you know, you got the new Herbert coach, but I think that's someone that you have the Hubert. talent there. Hubert. Hubert. I'm sorry. A, Hubert. He is a herb, but his name is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was that was more rude than me. I can't remember mispronouncing his name, but no. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Hubert. Coach, you got Coach Hubert in the house. That's fine. But also, I mean, you always got to worry about University of Virginia. I mean, UVA with the head coach. I mean, that definitely brings them, brings them up there. But other than that, I mean, I think it's Duke, y'all us and UVA. I mean, you can say Wake Forest is a decent team. Georgia Tech, I think Jose Alvarado is gone. So I'm not really that. And he was the, that man was a dog. That man was a blood, sweat and tears kind of player. Like he reminded me a lot of JJ Barea when we, the Miami Heat, I'm a Heat fan, played them in the finals against the Mavericks. He's gone. Yeah. Boston Jose College, and Moses Wright being gone is huge for Georgia yeah. Tech. Yeah. So I think it's just those four. I think now it's the core four. I was like, I'm going to call Not even now, Louisville. Ah. <sighs> Not even Syracuse. See, but because we, whenever we play Louisville, it's close, but we always end up winning the game. So I'm not really scared of them. Syracuse, I think, mm-hmm. is going to be coming with a down year. I think they have, they always don't perform that well. But then we saw last year with the tournament, they actually did, you know, perform over expectations. So for regular season, I'm not really scared of them either. Okay. They figure it out. But the Bayheim boys, I guess it's got to be awkward as hell to like play with two brothers and a daddy. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I would say no. That's uh, my dad tried that for baseball. Me, and my younger brother, that didn't work out too well. Trust me. No, did he <laughs> yell at you guys harder than he did the rest of the team? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> you never seen? Oh no, my dad's that stereotypical Latino dad. No, 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 no. When it comes to baseball, oh my god, Andresillo, Andresillo, come here real quick. And that was, and that's the G that. version of that too. Trust me. You want me, oh, you, you want me oh. to go during playoff time? 
<laughs> I can only imagine. Man, it's just so like I figured, you know, having all the guys here, we're going to talk about conference schedule starting and get a little hype about it. But it seems very solid. And everyone's like, listen, Duke and everybody else will just pray for the best. I mean, yeah, because we don't know what it is. Though. That's the, OK. So what college football, like to me, that's what basketball is like. Very, very interesting. Right. We don't know what a team really is until maybe January or February. That's mm-hmm. when you know everyone's identity. Because there's so many are unknowns, and in college basketball, there's so much roster turnover, right? Like I just named off three people that we lost, and we lost three more over to transfers. Same thing goes across the board. We have a we have a coach that's leaving. We have a new we have two new coaches coming in. You have Chris Mack who's starting to sl- starting to get a little bit better. So that's why like it's really difficult to gauge how teams are until conference play starts, and we at least, we at least get two months you know out of them, right? So that, that's kind of why. Yeah. I mean, you see a sullen mood. I think it's more. We're reserving our opinions, you know, I guess, you know, for till we have more evidence, you know, to discuss it. I mean, any attorney will say you can give you that answer, so. (laughs) That's very fair and honest, and I appreciate the honesty, Drizzy Drake. We have more interviews to give, but I want folks to know where they can find you and follow your work. You can follow me at Tally underscore underscore Drake. You can follow my co-host at MaxMovie17. You can follow the podcast at LO underscore Seminoles, whether you get Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or get your podcast from. And also, you can follow at Knowles Anonymous. We have a Discord now. That's where we engage with our fans. We get you know DMs. You know, that's where we get our all of our topics, where we answer fan mail. And as always, we're fans first, people second, and podcasters third. So, join us out. You are locked on ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh-huh.